Comets in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Renovations Press, home of the world-renowned tracksuit man, the story about traveling to which we can all relate and something we've all missed this last year. Renovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses with three comics each year featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned because each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of Section 12. Click that link, check out Renovations Press, support them on Patreon. You'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Renovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob. For old times, huh? Harley Quinn. Nice to meet ya. <laughs> Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. Marvel character ever, but you should never meet your heroes because honestly, he's a bit of a dick. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I am inevitable. Smash! Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Comics in Motion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion TV and movie reviews for shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also love to do is we also like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. And so if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. Now, Chris, last week we reviewed Wonder Woman 1984. And we had a, uh, you know, we were a bit all over the place, weren't we? We didn't particularly enjoy it and we couldn't really understand, you know, why are some people absolutely loving this? Why are some people absolutely hating it? I don't know if you had any time to digest, you know, because we're getting more and more opinions now, aren't we? So what are your thoughts on that one now? It's still fucking shit, Dave. <laughs> it really is. I'm not changing my mind on it. I'm going to watch it again. And I'm going to be a little bit more open-minded. You're right, and you are correct, but I just no. It just there's just something off with it with me. And and like I say, could it be like Solo, where I absolutely panned it on the podcast, and then when I watched it a couple of months later, coming back from Vegas, I loved it, and I was like, oh, it's a great film. But at the cinema, I thought it was garbage. And this, I don't know, I don't know what it was. It was just it try. I'm just hoping it's just an anomaly or. When we get the third one, it might make sense if you watch them as a trilogy. I don't know, but I'm still completely of the opinion that it was a load of garbage, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So I I think, you know, I've listened to a few other podcasts now. And I want to give a shout out to the Movie Chef podcast. Obviously, we went on there late last year, didn't we, with the quiz introduced by yep. Glenn. And cheers, Glenn, for calling out again that I call Steve Trevor, Steve Rogers. Fucking always do that. I've just got a mental block. And you said about Jetfire, the Transformer, and I had Jetfire. I, I bought it as a kid because that was the big one that was an Autobot and a Decepticon that got frozen in ice in the cartoons. And I didn't say anything at the time. And I'm, think, I'm thinking, I'm sure it's Jetfire. And then Glyn's pulled you on that. Well, what, what did I did I say? Spitfire or something? Spitfire, yeah. yeah. I knew because I had the I had the figure. It's a white. Transformer with red and stuff, and he was it was massive. He was bigger than Optimus Prime and everything. Fucking brains going, Chris. Because because yeah. I, I could see him in my mind's eye. I know exactly what I mean. It's just you know, it's fucking Jetfire. Yeah, just saying I, I Spitfire, it. a fucking <laughs> you know, single fighter plane from the World War Two, but. <laughs> You're here today, but anyway, go on, Dave. Well, no, I was just gonna say, I was listening to the Movie Chef podcast, and they put it so brilliantly about the whole possession of this guy because they basically said Steve Trevor has possessed this guy who, at the end of the movie, you know, all throughout the movie, every bloke in this film hits on, you know, either Cheetah or Wonder Woman. You know, they're all lecherous bastards aren't they basically all the blokes in the film but at the end the bloke who'd been possessed by steve trevor you know just meets wonder woman 
and he's wearing, you know, odd clothes that everyone takes the piss out of him for, doesn't hit on her at all, just says, you know, thanks for the compliment kind of thing. Could have been married, could have been gay, you know, could have been anything. But basically, (laughs) Steve Trevor has possessed this guy, and between Steve Trevor and Diana, they've used him as a sex toy. Yeah. (laughs) I said, <laughs> we kind of called out the fact that it's a bit wrong, but I just thought I fucking heard that, and I was just like, "Yeah, that is the most is brilliant true. explanation that that I've heard." So, yeah, it's just true, though, isn't it? Because it wouldn't work if it was a man the other way, Dave. That's, you know, that's what they said. Man. Yeah, it's, yeah, it wouldn't work. We said it last week; it wouldn't work. I agree, so, that's brilliant. So, so you know, at the Daily Planet, let's say you know they get this young little intern. And she she starts working at the Daily Planet. Lois Lane in this parallel universe has been killed off. The ghost of Lois Lane inhabits the body of this young intern. And Superman nails her. It's fucking wrong, isn't it? (laughs) Look what happened in Gold Day with Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg. You know what I mean? It's just like... (laughs) Whoopi Goldberg ended up with uh, Patrick Swayze, didn't they? And that's all. I'm with you on it. I honestly completely just... that's, That's what I find bizarre about this movie is... There's loads of things that are literally from the 80s and they and they've used them and they just they don't they just do not pull for me in 2020. And I don't I don't know. I'll have to watch it again, Dave. But like I say, Pedro Pascal's garbage as that guy. And I love him in the Mandalorian. Yeah, I again I think we differ on that. I think he's trying to go for that silver age kind of mustache twirling villain. And and he does it. You know, he's so over the top, it's it's got to be a deliberate thing. But anyway, Chris. We're not to- we're not here this week to talk about Wonder Woman, but I just I just wanted to see if you'd had any kind of retrospective thoughts. What are we going to review this week? Well, Dave, we're going back to 2013, and uh, we are going for the Lone Ranger. Now, Chris, I haven't seen this one. Uh, I remember it coming out at the time, and we've discussed this a few times, more so over on the VHS Strikes Back, haven't we? That. I, I just don't like westerns, or, or I didn't rather. And Tony's kind of converted me a little bit. We did the review of Tombstone, and I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I think I just carry in this bias that I don't like westerns." And I have watched a few more, a few more of the classics, you know, since then, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, things like that. But when this came out, there was no way I was going to watch it because it's a it's a western, you know, <laughs> and uh, and also. You know, it's in the last few years, it's come to light even more so about how inappropriate it is to whitewash characters, right? And for me, when when Johnny Depp, you know, and his stock was quite high at this time, when it became clear that Johnny Depp was going to play the part of Toto, I was just like, that that is wrong. And I don't think the discussions about it were, were so open as they are, as they would be now. But I remember at the time thinking, this this is as bad as Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. You absolute bastard, because that's exactly what my argument was going oh, to be. <laughs> no, no, we haven't talked about it, but we're on the same page, I think, before we get into the proper review. But yeah, I'm exactly the same. I've never seen it. I have never, and I thought exactly of Robert Downey Jr., Dave, exactly the same thing, Tropic Thunder. Um, And again, I love Westerns. And you say that, Dave, I've called you out a couple of times on this, but Back to the Future 3 is a Western. Do you know what I mean? You can't, you, you can't say you don't like Westerns. It's about my, my sci-fi love. And then, then you, it's not as bad as your sci-fi love. <laughs> no, I, I think I could count. Hypocrite. I could, no, no. So what I was going to say is, you know, I, I know, and, and Back to the Future 3 was my least favorite out of that trilogy. But I have warmed more to Westerns, and I can thank Tony for that, you know, because it, it's yeah. forced me out of my comfort zone, you know, and I, I can watch them now and appreciate them. And, and I guess, you know, what I, what I kind of love about those um, those older Westerns is just the tension and how it's built and just the epic scale of it all. And so, you know, I'm kind of rediscovering Westerns almost. So to be honest, going into this, if I had watched this, if I'd have been forced to watch it when it came out, I probably wouldn't have liked it. But I probably got a little bit more enjoyment out of watching it now after this kind of renaissance of, of discovering westerns than I would if I'd have watched it back then. 
But uh, no, I still don't. Yeah, I still you. don't give him a pass for the whole Johnny Depp thing. No, no, I'm with you. I, and you know, I grew up with westerns, so I've watched all sorts of different ones. And I know on the VHS, there's a few there that we're probably going to have to do, Dave. But the podcast is probably going to run for about the next 15 years. The way I keep saying <laughs> every episode, oh, we're going to have to do that one day, but But you've got like Unforgiven with uh, Clint Eastwood, which is a belting yeah. that was made around the same time as Tombstone as well, about '92, and then also. One of the all-time classics for me, both of them, is Young Guns 1 and 2, Dave. Absolutely love them films. Lou Diamond Phillips, Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, you know, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, great, great movies. I think I remember that, but I remember the Bon Jovi soundtrack more so than the actual movies, yeah. I think. I think that was the second one, the Bon Jovi soundtrack. The first one was a sleeper hit. Yeah, well, yeah, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But no, it's funny, you know, because that, for me, is in fact, no, should we get into the trailer? Because he's, he's, I'm going to end up going. Well, off about just before, before I carry on calling out myself about westerns and, and add into your argument like it's you with sci-fi, uh, <laughs> do kind of love blazing saddles. <laughs> no, no, that one isn't going to hold up well, but uh, no. definitely have to do that one at some point. But I agree, Chris. Yeah. Let's get into the trailer. From the great beyond. A vision told me a great warrior and spirit walker would help me on my quest. A man who has been to the other side and returned. I would have preferred someone else, but who am I to question the great father? All right. But if we ride together, we ride for justice. Justice is what I seek. Imagine an entire continent connected by iron rail. Now, whoever controls this controls the future. Power that makes emperors and kings look like fools. I understand you have an Indian problem. (laughs) That's funny? Very funny. Nothing is accomplished without sacrifice. There doesn't need to be a war. Stop this train. Oh, there's no stopping this train. I think you know that. If these men represent the law, I'd rather be an outlaw. Once Iron Horse starts, very difficult to stop. lost, aren't we? I knew it. Could be worse. Worse? How could this be worse? This is worse. Right, now before we get into the actual plot, Chris, I've just realized that, of course, I think I I think I think called uh, Johnny Depp's character there, Toto, who, of course, is a small little dog in the <laughs> Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Fucking hell, Glenn's going to have you. Dave. I know. So, just call myself out there before. I, I had Glenn's probably already tweeted by now, but uh, but yeah, what a fucking idiot. So anyway, Chris, we are in 1933, which is only a few years after. Uh, we've just done the Untouchables, haven't we? So we we yeah. seem to like the 1930s at the minute. We're at a San Francisco fun fair. And a boy named Will, who idolizes the legendary Lone Ranger, encounters the elderly Comanche Tonto, not Toto, who proceeds to recount his experiences with the Old West adventurer. Now, before we get into it, Chris, I think that's a good point to say, what do you think about the opening to this one? Dave, I'm going to be honest with you. I really, really enjoyed this movie more than I thought I would because I know that it's absolutely been critically panned 
and I think it starts off well. The thing is, for me, the big bugbear, and I think that's the bugbear of all of it, is obviously he goes a bit like Knights of the Museum, isn't it? He's at the fun fair. It's very similar to that. Johnny Depp just comes alive. The whole context of this movie doesn't make any sense at all, does it? You know, he's a statue of a Native American <laughs> who then comes to life talking to a lad who's dressed like the Lone Ranger. And you're like, this makes no sense whatsoever. What is it supposed – is it a Night of the Museum thing? Or is it actually supposed to be him? In the 30s, did they have people just like Native Americans just standing in museums like as a prop? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, found, I find that backdrop and the whole um, storytelling of the movie very strange because – I have a massive. I, I honestly, I really, really like this movie. I, I didn't realize it was quite as serious um, with the action and some of the violence in it. I thought it was just a complete piss take, which is why I've stayed clear of it. But Johnny Depp in it does my fucking head in, Dave. You know, it, I, I just think it's wrong. The, 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 he should not have been um, Toto. Was it Dave Tonto? <laughs> Tonto. <laughs> he shouldn't have been fucking. I'll Toto. get you, my pretty. <laughs> <laughs> And your little dog too. <laughs> I just want a heart. Yeah, I got no courage. You got no courage. What a map. But but no, I I I have a big problem with that. I just I don't understand the um the casting of that. Just basically he's playing, and we've talked about this before we recorded, he's just playing Jack Sparrow in this movie, the pissed up, docile character that he's played now, and he's great as I love Pirates of the Caribbean, especially the first couple of them are brilliant. And and I it is always going to be Johnny Depp. But but that dynamic in the whole movie, it's so it's just cringy when you're watching him do it. And he's going, How? Oh, yes, you, white man, you do this. And I mean, like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. like like I I've just said to you before we could, he's put fucking Legion of Doom's face paint on, and we're supposed to think he's a Native American. It just they've not even put any makeup on him or anything to, to, to you know they've got this stupid makeup i mean it just i don't get it i don't because if it was a parody movie and he's playing that he, he basically johnny depp is actually playing a circus clown in this movie isn't it? you know you've got the circus and they're doing all these special events you've always mm-hmm. got the clown on the, the unicycle and he's dicking around in he and he but he's really clever and he's like they'll do like the trapeze stuff and the clown looks like they're going to fall but really they're probably the most skilled person in the circus but we all plays up to the act of the dopey sort of stupid clown that's how i think he plays this which is just weird yeah i mean obviously 10 years earlier was when he did uh you know his first we got to see jack sparrow captain jack sparrow and he was kind of uh he was based on the the stones oh guitarist what's his name keith richards keith richards yeah so he sort of based him on him and, you know, the whole world or the whole Western world, movie-going world, absolutely loved that portrayal. I haven't heard many people say anything bad about that. It's utterly iconic, and he made that character his own. And, you know, this this bloody franchise, Pirates of the Caribbean I'm talking about now, just sprung up out of nowhere. It was based on a bloody ride. Um, and it just kind of, you know, it, it was utterly iconic, wasn't it? And so I can only think, you know, that that led someone to believe that, okay, that's why we'll, you know, we'll get him playing something similar. But you're right. For me, this is Jack Sparrow plays a Native American. <laughs> yeah. I, and, yeah, I, I don't think we need to keep going over it, but no, I think we are absolutely on the same page that this this is actually a decent movie. <laughs> And and I'm glad I've watched it, and I'm glad uh, you know again Tony has suggested it. But you know it is a massive miscast, and basically he's just making Tonto, you know, a a, a bit of a joke, a bit of a Jack Sparrow. Um, so yeah, really, really bad, and and really quite jarring in this movie. Yeah, and I think I think what what's really weird, Dave, is there's some really violent moments in this movie. And then you've got him dicking around. It's like he's in a different. He's on a different movie set. You yeah. know, it's good because obviously we we get the whole thing where we get um, the Lone Ranger comes on it. He comes to see his brother, 
and uh, his brother's trying to catch this Butch Cavendish, and he, he comes in and he's a law man, isn't he, and all that, and he's he, he's basically wants um, to call John. John's uh, is, is he called John the guy? He's the guy out there. Which one? Ar- Ar- Arnie, Arnie Hammers? Yeah, Arnie yeah, Hammer. yeah, yeah, yeah. So John Reed. So he- yeah, so Johnny, so he comes to see his brother, and obviously he's had a thing with his with his brother's wife. They were obviously lovers at some point. She's the girl out of Luther, the killer out of Luther, recognized her straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a connection there, but he ends up joining that gang, doesn't he? And, and it's like, because, oh, these, sorry, no, there's actually uh, someone on a train in there at the start, first of all. That's how he meets Tonto, doesn't he? Because that yeah. guy, but. Uh, Butch Cavendish, his prisoner, who's also played by the guy, uh, William Fitchner, who's was I never forget him. He was Mahone out of Prison Break, Dave. He was an absolute bastard in Prison Break. So yeah, I mean, he he was in Dark Knight uh, Returns yes. as well. Was oh no, bank. just Dark Knight, wasn't he? Dark um, Knight in the bank at the start. Yeah, because yeah, I, I I always remember him because he's he's in that series where I said right, that's it. I'm fucking done with all series. It was in Invasion where um, they just cancelled it after they brought everything to the boil and yes. <laughs> left it on a cliffhanger. I was like, you bastards. But yeah, yeah. So so he's obviously, you know, rescued, isn't he, in this train robbery and, you know, old Tonto was trying to, to save the guy but ends up getting shot. And yeah. Back to you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known the cue by now, Dave. Should've... No, no, it's just that uh, you, you were on a roll, but I, I was just going on about Butch Cavendish there. No, no, and, and, and hey, look, you're right. You're totally right. And, and, and he joined, John joins with his brother, Dan. They go off to get this Butch Cavendish because he's escaped from the train robbery that we see at the start. We see Tonto dicking around and stuff like that. He's in prison at, the po- at this point. And... What you get then is, because this is what I'm saying, you've got this sort of slapstick, almost Laurel and Hardy type comedy, Norman Wisdom comedy of Johnny Depp. But then we go to the next scene and when Dan and the other sort of Texas Rangers, who they've given John a Texas Ranger badge, they get ambushed and they're getting killed. And this Butch Cavendish comes and devours John's heart with a dagger. And it's like, what a a contrast. But honestly, Dave, I loved it. It it reminded me a little bit of Tombstone, you know, for the violence. And that's where it doesn't know what it wants to be, this movie. But at the heart of it, there's a great Western movie in this. There's some great action sequences. Honestly, because John's a bit of a bumbling hero by mistake any really to, until the end he's just like a bit of a buffoon and and that's what's quite interesting even when he's with Tonto some of the stuff they do he's like it is like Lauren Hardy unintentional they make themselves the heroes by accident yeah you know uh, and we'll have to watch Green Hornet at, at some point Chris because yeah. there's uh, very much you know Cato is is kind of the mastermind really and and Green Hornet plays bit of a similar character to Lone Ranger here where he's kind of bumbling along but um you know who Tonto is uh Johnny Depp's Tonto is in this movie Chris he's fucking Jar Jar Binks right (laughs) (laughs) that's who he is because you've got this serious movie it's a fun action movie mostly isn't it but it is serious and and where we just left the plot there you know you've got Cavendish basically cutting out a fucking live man's heart and eating it. Now, chairman of Walt Disney Studios at, at the time this was being made was a guy called Alan F. Horn. And, um, you know, it went through a lot of production problems, this, but he said, I like heart in my movies, but not that much heart. <laughs> so they ended up, you know, there was more shot of this and, and obviously they cut it out. This is a Disney movie. And over at, uh, you know, Scott and Julian's podcast, Stories Out of Time and Space, they've just done John Carter. And, you know, this this was released the year after that. And so, you know, Disney had a quick one-two of massive failures, you know, in the early part of this last decade. And so I'd kind of forgotten that they came so quickly. Um and also, you know, the fact they lost money on this. So, you know, the budget was, you know, it was trimmed down. They reckon, you know, somewhere around the 250 million mark. And at the box office, they got 260. So, you know, we always say, don't we, you effectively have to double the budget because when you've taken out all the extra stuff, given all of the 
cinemas their money and you know paid for all the marketing and stuff that you know you have to cover your costs more than that um so yeah for them to to make such a massive loss but they did some you know market research and they found that like 25 percent of the people who were going to watch this movie were over 50 so it's a very different demographic to a usual disney movie but i was thinking to myself why is that a surprise to anyone? Again, I, I don't know if it's because I carry this kind of bias with Westerns. And, you know, there are, there's so many Western movies around. I think that's what, what where my distaste of them originated. But generally speaking, if you're going to make a Western, by default, it's going to be older people watching it. So I, I'm just, I'm surprised that they were surprised. You know what, Dave? That's a very good point because, and I think you mentioned this to me the other day, but because Westerns are of that time, aren't they? People growing up, our parents' age, that's all they had on TV, wasn't it? Everything yeah. was either a Western or a fucking musical, wasn't it? Because of the way cinema was made, it was still in its infancy in sort of like the 60s. You know, they've not been making proper feature films. They've been making about 40 years. We're, we're like... Nearly well, we're nearly a hundred years down the line of making movies, aren't we? You look at like Harold Lloyd, and then you look at Lauren Hardy, Wizard of Oz was thirty nine, and they were like different people, different movies, and and you know, Gone with the Wind, Singing in the Rain, things like that. And then you fast forward, we're there. So they grew up with that. I grew up with it because of my granddad, my dad. You know, like say we watched fucking stupid Bonanza on a Sunday, which was terrible. <laughs> they were they were always on westerns, weren't they? So it was always either. If you think of it logically, for me as a kid, I was thinking like I know we had our Supermans and stuff like that, but it was always Norman Wisdom, George Formby films, Laurel and Hardy, and then it was westerns, and that's all you really had on a loop because yeah. of like your age as a kid and and on the TV in the daytime that was it, or it was black and white sort of musical or crap movies in the daytime. Mm. I went through a phase of sitting every now and then granddad's on a in an afternoon watching some crap movie on Channel Four some black and white movies, yeah, yeah. you know? So, so yeah, it's interesting because I think, I think watching it and listening to that and with it being Disney, it just didn't hit, did it? You know, Pirates of the Caribbean hit more because it was a fantasy, wasn't it? It was absolutely a fantasy um, world. The Lone Ranger, I, 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 you know what? I would never even thought about the demographic of the A's. You obviously didn't do that, do it right when they did the screen testing then, did they? <laughs> Yeah, so like I say, I think, um, I mean, a, a lot of the actors, I think including Johnny Depp, forwent like 20% of their salary to try and get the costs down. Because even before it was being shot, you know, they, there was concerns about how much it was going to cost them, what have you. But um, yeah, I think, you know, obviously in, in recent years, Disney have had all the Marvel movies, haven't they? The Star Wars movies, I don't know if they've decided to move away from this kind of thing but i don't think they've released another western since have they no no and that's weird isn't it because it's obviously it's of its time you'd think kids would get on board with that but they're not into that sort of stuff now dave are they you know what i mean you think about it as much as it's you know lads you'd think oh it's a guy with a gun and all that the only fucking let's be honest the only cowboy that kids know dave is fucking woody out of Toy story (laughs) you know (laughs) reach for this guy you know that's it that's all you're gonna get they don't know anything else, do they? So yeah, I think that's a great point. I think I think absolutely, and I think that's probably why it suffered so much in the box office and that. And I, I think, like you said about the Jar Jar Binks thing, I think that's the problem. These are great movie, great writing, great great set pieces. The music's brilliant. I mean, Hans Zimmer did the music, mm-hmm. and honestly, I think Johnny Depp is an unwanted distraction just to be on the screen. And I think you, you could have done the, I know you needed a sidekick, the Lone Ranger. That's, I remember watching the old show from like the fifties or whatever it was. It used to repeat yeah. it every now and again. I have seen it, but he, he's too much because he's the star. And obviously Arne Hammer isn't really, let's be honest. He's not, he's almost like the co-star. Johnny Depp just steals every scene, but I don't think it's, it's to the, um, it's not, it doesn't make the film better. Yeah. basically yeah it just yeah. distracts from what is actually a good good movie to be honest like you say it gives you that confusing tone you know because whether it's i mean let's face it i make this point about quentin tarantino in reservoir dogs when he cuts the guy's ear off the camera's actually pointed to the corner of the room yeah you're not actually seeing anything so disney have thought well we're not going to show this guy's heart being cut out of his 
you know, warm body and being eaten. But you know it's happening. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's just a Quentin Tarantino tactic in a Disney movie. So, yeah, and, and I think they're just, yeah, the, the, the way Tonto's done and, like, it, it just gives you that confusing tone. And so, yeah, but I agree. I, I'm kind of enjoying this. All, despite that being a bit jarring, and when um, when you get Arnie Hammer, so you get John there, and he's almost dead, you know, and then Tonto sort of, <laughs> all right, I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite here, Chris, because when he sort of, it looks like he's going to be alive, and then Tonto's like, oh, and he's going to try and bury him anyway. <laughs> I did laugh at that, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. I will give you that. But again, and, and he's supposed to be like a spirit, isn't he now? Like he, he can't be killed. John cannot be killed. He's the, the spirit that's what, walker. That's what he thinks, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah. And when you watch the rest of the film, it's just pure luck that he doesn't get killed. Yeah. It gives give John that self-belief because he vows revenge. He wants to get this Cavendish, you know, because of what he's done to his brother. And, and again, these loads of set pieces, and I mentioned Harold Lloyd. I don't know if do you ever remember Harold Lloyd, Dave, from years ago. Like, um, it's proper a silent movie. Actor. No, no. So Harold Lloyd is the guy, and Stan Laurel used to work with him. Stan Laurel did like, some of the stunt stuff with him. Harold Lloyd's the guy when you see silent movies where that guy will be over the side of the Empire State Building holding on for dear life. That's him. Oh, you know what I mean? And he's no, he no stunts. Or anything. That's just him. thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, Harold Lloyd was like the trailblazer for movies, for stunts and that. And, and it was an unbelievable um you know, silent movie actor and, and a stuntman, obviously, as well. And and that's what you get with this. You do get some proper kickbacks to, like, the 20s slapstick and stuff. You've seen a lot of the stuff with Johnny Depp and with uh, Arnie Hammer, you know, John uh, John Reed, is literally out of the Harold Lloyd, Laurel and Hardy uh, playbook 101. You know, just the way the... the there could be five guys there ready to kill him, and all of a sudden, one of them will turn around with a big stick and just take three of them out, or they'll yeah. do something stupid. It's of that slapstick uh, era, so I think that's where the Disney side of it come in. But you can't have that, and then have someone ripping the heart out. I still don't understand how that was even passed by Disney as an acceptable part of one of their movies that was hopefully going to appeal to kids. I just don't get it. I don't know. Like I say, that's why I make the, the Reservoir Dogs comparison because someone's yeah. probably said, oh, it's off camera, so it's all right. <laughs> and yet, you know, and, and old uh, Marcella Wallace, you know, what happens to him yeah. off camera? We, we all knew oh, yeah. what was happening. So, you yeah. know, it, it's funny. You you can imagine someone making that justification um, and just, you know, having a blind spot for the fact that you've got these other, you know, much more adult movies you know, and infamously adult movies that that use the same technique. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of an odd one. But um, again, you've got in a Disney movie, and I probably should get over the fact that it is a Disney movie, but I can't. The fact that they're all blatantly in the brothel there. You've got Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter. Um, she's got one leg, you know, with a with a gun in it. <laughs> You know, yeah. she's like, no free rides. And I'm like, is this like a Toy Story thing where it's only the adults who recognize it as a brothel, you know, and the kids are just supposed to not even question it? I don't know. I don't know. Because to be fair, Dave, I'm not a massive fan of Helena Bonham Carter. She was great in Harry Potter, actually, I say that, as Bellatrix. But um, she's got the biggest push-up bra we've ever seen, Dave, let's be <laughs> honest. But she's always around Johnny Depp movies, isn't she, and stuff. She's always around this... this yeah, and like Tim Burton, like the, yeah, the three Tim of them, Burton. they're yeah. all kind of usually in the same ballpark, aren't they? Yeah, they're very reliable actors and actresses, aren't they? So they know what you're getting, basically. I'm sure Johnny's probably put a word in for her, but she was at the height of her powers then, wasn't she? Because of Harry Potter. She was one of the main people in Harry Potter. So, And she did loads of movies around this. But yeah, again, like you say, it's almost, um, you know, it reminded me of a leg day, that fucking guy who's got the dick gun in a dust till dawn. You know, when, when they go oh, to the bar. Come on, sex machine. <laughs> he pulls the fucking flap up of his leather pants and he's got fucking two cannons like balls and a fucking little gun there. It looks like the size of mine, actually, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's a famous, um, oh, I can't remember it, Tom. Tom Money or something like that. He's a special effects guy. That's it, special effects, yeah. Yeah, I remember him with the black hair. But yeah, again, so it's with me. Tom, uh, Tom Savani or something. Something like I remember you saying at the time he was he was proper respected. One of all this stuff. Not great podcasting, but I'm going to have to look here. Tom Savini. That's him. That's him. That's him. Um, that was on the VHS one. We did that one. Dustal Dawn. But yeah, belter, belting but, episode that. But Chris, what what do you reckon that? The more I'm thinking about this as we're talking about it, you've got John, and basically he's convinced, isn't he, to wear a mask by by Tonto. But Tonto is this kind of, is this Jack Sparrow slightly not with it. Even his own kind of tribe, even the other Native Americans think Tonto's a bit of a joke. He's a bit of a clown. And then you've got John, who's a bit, you know, he's he's a bit straight-laced, isn't he? He's not a particularly good fighter, not a particularly good lawman or anything. And so you've got this kind of dynamic where they're both bumbling idiots, really, and they just end up being heroic by accident. I, I just think the dynamic surely works better if you've got one person who is actually competent and, you know, the other one who's maybe a bit of the comedy relief. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the Green Hornet. Obviously, Bruce Lee's proper breakout role, they yeah. won it in the uh, well, the movie. original one. But they they redid the yeah. movie with um, yeah, yeah. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, yeah. I've not seen that, to be fair. But I know that wasn't received very well. Um, but I haven't seen it. We'll have to do that. We'll have to do we'll that, have that one, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll get that in the diary, Dave. We'll do that at some point. It gives me something else different to watch as well. But uh, no, and, and I think you're right. I think, you know, if... The stupid thing is the Lone Ranger always has a mask on, doesn't he? And that's the whole point of the Lone Ranger. But if everyone knows who's with Tonto, you're going to know where the Lone Ranger is. It's almost at fucking Clark Kent glasses levels of, oh, we don't know who that is behind the mask. You know, it's like, it's pretty obvious because he says, yeah. because we think you're dead, you know, wear a mask. But it's like, he's wearing the same clothes. He's literally just got it over his eyes. It's not that fucking and different, he, is it? He's a good-looking man, in he, old Arnie Hammer? Yes. I, yes. I mean, he was in Man From Uncle and, you know, playing a, a, a Russian in that one, I think. Was he a Russian or a German? I can't remember. Something he was like a bad that, guy. Yeah. Probably a Russian. He was a bad guy. I, I remember him from the, the social network. He's good and, in Yeah, he played the twins, didn't he, in that one? But he's he's an unrecognizable, you know, not unrecognizable, very recognizable, good-looking bloke. And I agree, he puts the mask on. And, and it's... It's like I say about Henry Cavill, and and I notice people are uh, springing up again. You know, Henry Cavill's my Superman, and you know, lobbying for him uh, to put the suit on again. But when he puts his glasses on, it's Superman in glasses, you know. And this is Arnie Hammer, you know, in in a, don- a domino mask. It, it just it doesn't cover his secret identity. But you know what, Chris? We've just watched Wonder Woman. Where she does none of those things, <laughs> so. and nobody knows who she is. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so I think we just have to go with it. That it's like, no, no way, oh yeah. look, she's got the Wonder Woman outfit on. Don't recognize her, Diana. Look, Wonder Woman's out. Oh, where's she gone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize. You know, like you know, and, and the Clark Kent glasses work, Dave. If your name is Christopher Reeve, yeah. Everyone else who's done it, and I love love Henry Cavill, and I really, really want a Man of Steel too. I know you were a fan. I love that movie so much, and I love him as Superman. I think he's amazing. So I do, but he's Clark Kent. He's not. Christopher Reeve, Clark Kent. And when Christopher Reeve reveals himself in Superman 2, I know we're going over old ground here to Lois, and we talked about this. It was our second ever episode of Comics Emotion, like two and a half years ago, whatever it was. Um, and he stands up and he grows by literally half a foot, doesn't he? And everything. Half and, a and, foot. And, I don't know about half a foot, but well, I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. For... Yeah, just go with me, Dave. No, but there's that bit where he puts... I, I know exactly. There, I've and, got, and honestly, just, Chris, I've got goosebumps now just thinking yeah, about I, it. I, it, 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 it. He's got the cardigan and he just... His whole stature, we talked about it endlessly, haven't we? But... That's the difference, I yeah. think. And, and like you say, you're right. Fucking Wonder Woman's just a farce. It's a fucking farce. That it's just nonsense. Christopher Reeve transforms from Clark Kent to Superman with no CGI, no costume change, no nothing. He literally does it in front of your eyes in about 
two seconds. It is. Yeah. I still think back to that, and it is so impressive what he does there. As soon as we're done, I think I might have to check that out on YouTube as well. You know what? I'm fucking getting goosebumps <laughs> now. You're saying it, so yeah, that's fucking amazing, <laughs> amazing. But anyway, yeah. So, so Arnie Hammer, not very, you know, not very discreet. Everyone would probably know, but they don't. And um, like I say, I guess uh, anything else out of the plot because they they kind of foil this thing. You've got um, oh, what's his name? Old Tom Wilkinson. So you got Cole. Oh, He's actually in on it. As soon as, as soon as you see him, Cash, you're like, yeah, he's going to be the baddie, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, you know he's the baddie. He's in Batman, isn't he? He's the fucking baddie in Batman. He started off well. He was in the full Monty. One is one of the guys yeah. who lost the job in strip. And he and that's the first time I'd ever come across Tom Wilkinson. But ever since the fucking full Monty, he's always a bad guy, Dave. It doesn't matter yeah. what film he's in, he's always that horrible. I mean, he does the American accent in this and stuff like that, but usually he's the horrible British bad guy, and he was like sort of some sort of millionaire who's just an absolute tyrant. So I wasn't surprised that he was a double cross in this movie at all. Yeah, and I don't really rate his American accent, to be quite honest with you. So I don't know how he keeps getting work as an American, but um, he is a good baddie, and he usually plays like you say, not not the he's not a thug, is he? He's usually the mastermind. No. So uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty obvious, and again, it's all. I can't remember now. What is to do with the railroad, isn't it? You know, he's trying to he end up with the train heist, essentially. Yeah, he, the, the railroad's being built, and he's doing all the work and that, but all these fat cats above him are taking all the credit, aren't they? They give him a little token of appreciation, but he's already on the fact that he's taking over and he's he's having this railroad because that's, that's the premise of the movie, that Butch Cavendish, which is ridiculous because I just want to say... Butch Cassidy, Dave. And the yeah. But why have they come up with Butch Cavendish? I'm just expecting Robert Redford to come out. But, um, well, actually, it was uh, Paul Newman was Butch Cassidy. But yeah, so it's, it's that, that name is just weird throughout this. But again, he needs him. He needs Butch Cavendish because what they're going to do, they're going to basically kill all these people and threaten him and all this stuff. And then he becomes a full-on heel, doesn't he? Does uh, Latham Cole. So, so yeah, it's pretty much cowboy movie dna it's not anything you've never seen before but it's well executed and the highlight of the whole movie for me dave is the fucking music because i never realized that was a long rangers movie because it was in the cannonball run and stuff like that and i love that music at the end well it's, it was adopted for the so it's actually the william tell overture isn't it and you say it about yeah. and zimmer did the music and again i'm like yeah the music's decent throughout it but I must admit, when they're on the train and the William Tell Overture starts oh up, it's like, oh, again, you know, the goosebumps go up on your arm. You're like, oh, and there's nothing. It's weird, isn't it? It just, it makes you feel horse racing. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's so good, Dave. It's so good. I, yeah. I, and it goes on for about five minutes. And I tell you now, usually, if you hear the same score for like five minutes, you're like, oh, it's fucking boring. I didn't get bored of it once. I was like, oh, I'm like a little yeah. kid again. Diddly, diddly, diddly. Just, like, oh, just the whole intro to it. It's the the different pieces of it, you know. And like I say, after that little bit of an intro, you're going, you're just like, I actually, once I've finished the movie, I started listening to it on my phone as well. It is just a brilliant, brilliant piece of music. And it's just, you know, I could almost hear the old TV show, you know, hi-ho, silver, away. <laughs> it's so good it is good and like you say the movie itself just moves along and this this bit at the end with the train and the fact that he goes across the rooftops on the the actual horse doesn't he and Tonto's at the front and he's trying to uh, stop the train and and it's, it is quite not a lot but it's quite similar to the Back to the Future job and it may have been where they've got to get the train and all that stuff and, and take it on a different path and obviously this is to do with um taking over the railroad for Latham. But I, I think it's great at the end. I think the action stuff's really good. When it hits in this, the action's really good. It is a, it is a good movie. To, I can watch this again, definitely. Yeah, and I think, Chris, you know, the we were saying before about Westerns and the fact that there were so many of them. I think one of the most impressive things about Westerns was the stunts. And you had to yeah. do everything for real. 
and I know you said about the guy with the Charlie Chaplin, and that that was very impressive. Still ties my stomach up in knots just thinking about he actually did that for real, you know, hanging off the Empire State Building and stuff. Um, there's one stunt, guys, famous one, but I can't quite remember what it's called. But the guy's on a runaway stagecoach essentially, and he's he's dropping himself underneath from the front. He's dropping himself underneath the stagecoach and sort of being dragged along the floor, but kind of traveling back towards the stagecoach and then climbing up the back of the stagecoach. Things like that. You obviously, you had to film them for real. So if you're watching that back in back in the day, you're like, fuck me, how are they doing that? That is so impressive. Whereas now... You know, you you're not quite sure what you believe, and so it's like, well, how have they done that? Bit of CGI, maybe? Is, is that a real person doing it? You know, or is it a bit of camera trickery? So it's, you don't, you're not in awe of the fact that there's a bloke actually really doing that, and like, how the hell did they do it? So again, I think that probably hasn't helped with the wonder, you know, of westerns kind of disappearing a bit. Yeah, it's got it's, it's a great explanation, Dave. It really is, and I, and I think like we said this, we, you know, we've just recently done the Untouchables, haven't we, on the VHS? And you said like you were really interested in the character of like Al Capone, and you want to read up on Ian Elliot Ness and stuff like that. And I think with this, this is for me when reading up some of the things about the Lone Ranger, is it's just the concept of the hero. It is like a Superman hero, but in cowboys. That's what it's about. And he's not really got any superpowers. He thinks he has, or Tonto thinks he has. And uh, it morphs into something stupid with a slapstick. But but as a, as a, a standalone movie, it could never have made a sequel. It just didn't warrant it. But as a standalone movie, it's such a good romp. And it's definitely a Saturday afternoon job, this. Just don't have to think about anything. Put it on, and you're not going to be disappointed. You're not going to come out of it, well, come out of the cinema, you've got the cinema. You're not going to watch it, oh, my God, that is terrible. It's yeah. just an enjoyable romp, really. Other than Johnny Depp, the rest of the film is really, really solid. Yeah, it is definitely a, a good movie. And, um, you know, but we finish off, don't we, that, you know, Tonto is kind of packing up and getting ready to go home. And that's why I think it, he's not really a knight of the museum. He's, he's not just a, or, or a toy story. You know, he's not a Woody who's just come to life in this boy's eyes kind of thing. He is actually a bloke in the 1930s. He is Tonto, who survived from the late 1800s. So that's why I think that. But so, again, I was just like, do people really do that? Is this made up for the movie? I don't know. In fact, I should try and should have probably tried to research that, but didn't <laughs> try and Google it and find out. You know, did people just yeah. stand around in museums? Like, but yeah. So, um, anything else, Chris, about the movie? Or before we get into our no, final review, I'm ready to go on the review, Dave. Let's do it. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this has probably caught me at an ideal time when I'm just experiencing this bit of a renaissance with Western movies. I'm kind of discovering them almost for the first time after having a, a inherent or inbuilt bias for many years from having to watch Bonanza every fucking Sunday. <laughs> um, and so, actually, you know what? This has been a bit of a surprise. And apart from... As we've said many times now, the the whole Johnny Depp casting thing is off. The tone of you know him being a bit of a bumbling idiot, but also kind of being the mastermind behind the Lone Ranger as well, seems a little bit off. But generally speaking, it's a it's a good Western romp. Um, the highlight of it all is absolutely when the William Tell overture sparks up and they're on the train. It just gets better. It makes you feel good. And so, yeah, I think I can recommend this movie. If, you, if like me, you've kind of avoided it, it's there on Disney Plus now. So, you know, if you've got that, go ahead and, and watch that. I'm going to put this in the middle. I'm going to put it in as, as a Hall of Justice. Quite a strong one as well. I, I, don't, I don't think it's in the upper echelons of movies, but it's an unexpected surprise. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Now, Chris, how about yourself? 
Yeah, I think I think we're exactly on the same page here today, Dave. We beat for beat, we've pretty much agreed on everything, and uh, and all that. Usually, we like it when we're disagreeing, don't we? Slightly, but I, I can't. Everything you've said is bang on the money for me. I think it's, it's a good movie. I, I was pleasantly surprised. I really was. And like you say, I don't. I, I'm not like screaming at the screen when Johnny Depp's on there. It's just distracting from what is actually a really good movie. And I think it's a shame because they, if they just if they just give Tonto a bit more of a serious feel and not go down the Laurel and Hardy sort of slapstick stuff, yeah. I would have been invested in a, in a sequel, definitely. And I know I'm saying that seven years later because I didn't watch it the first time round, but it's just too much. Johnny Depp, he's just like they say, he's chewing the scenery and all that stuff. He, he just doesn't need to be there. It doesn't need to be as prominent as what he is. And he is, the Lone Ranger is supposed to be the star. And, and it is. It's just a good movie. Forget the heart eating thing. That's just really bizarre. I don't know what that adds to the movie, other than the fact that he, he killed his brother. That's where the revenge plot of the movie is. You don't need to do that. I just don't understand the logic of that at all. It doesn't really add Butch Cavendish as this absolute badass, this this baddie. He's just horrible, dingy baddie anyway. He's, he's almost um, Buford Tannen levels of fucking... He, he, and to be fair, he's a bit of a bad baddie, really. But we can go with it because it's, it's quite a strong cast. So, yeah, I'm going to put it in the middle, Dave. I'm putting it in. I would have enjoyed this a lot more with Mad Dog Tannen in. Dance for me, boy. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And your impression's always banged on with that day. Anyway, bastard. But, uh, but yeah, I'm putting a hole of justice right in the middle. I think it's a good movie and it's definitely watchable. If you've got Disney Plus guys, Watch it. I, I I would suggest it. I'm not sure whether it'll hit with any kids, but it's definitely a watchable movie. It really is. So, yeah, good choice as well, David. I'm glad that it ties in with what Tony's doing as well because he suggested it. And I don't think we would have reviewed that this at all, if I'm being honest, but I'm glad we've done it. It's on the list, but, you know, we've got a huge list and then we, we always bias to things that kind of come up in conversation. So it's like, oh, well, we'll bump that one to the top. So... Yeah, this one, it would have taken us a long time to, before we got to this one. And I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been one that I'd have just watched under my own steam as well. So, no, it's absolutely brilliant. And and fair play. I mean, Tony had mentioned it last year. And so he gave us another prompt on Discord, didn't he? You know, yeah. We're doing this. I think he's doing it with Mike, isn't he? So, um, no, I'd be really interested. I, I do think I've got some, I, I bought like a. Uh, a job lot of like mixed comics ages ago and and i had some lone ranger dynamite comics in there that haven't actually read them um so yeah going to be really interested what they say about the comic as well no it's good they really good and i think as we go into next week dave we've got a bit of a classic haven't we for next week which i've been we've we sort of moved it around on the schedule but what are we doing next week dave because i i have watched this in the last three months and i tell you what i'm going to be watching it again yeah. So, you know, it seemed a little bit apt. Again, we've been trying to space out our MCU movies just to, you know, make sure that we don't gorge them all in one go. Um, but seeing as we've got this whole kind of conspiracy uh, against this, you know, wannabe fascist state, it seems fairly apt to cover right now. <laughs> so, Chris, we're going to be covering Captain America Winter Soldier. Oh, I cannot wait, Dave. Let's get into the trailer. Coming up on the drop zone, Cap. You do anything fun Saturday night? Well, all the guys in my barbershop quartet are dead, so... No, not really. You know, if you ask Kristen out from statistics, you'd probably say yes. That's why I don't ask. Too shy or too scared? Too busy! Was he wearing a parachute? No. No, he wasn't. shield to protect people captain to build a better world sometimes means tearing the old one down and that makes enemies are you ready for the world to see you as you really are look out the window you know how the game works disorder war all it takes is one step We're going to neutralize a lot of threats before they even happen. 
thought the punishment usually came after the crime. Shield takes the world as it is, not as we'd like it to be. This isn't freedom. This is fear. You need to keep both eyes open. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Your work has been a gift to mankind. You've shaped the century. I need you to do it one more time. You're up. It's time. Chris, I haven't watched this one for a couple of years, so I must admit I'm chomping at the bit. You know, I really, really want to get back into this one and uh, might have to gorge this one today. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Chris, how can everyone get in contact with us? And don't tell me that you've already said it. (laughs) (laughs) What David is alluding to there is that me and him do this thing where we just switch off and don't realize what each other's saying because we've done it hundreds of times now. And when we did the VHS, I did all the plugs, you know, we're on Patreon, we're on this, we're on that. And we did it all, went to the trailer the day straight after went, so where can the old get hold of us? You know yeah, a few minutes. <laughs> I think I know why. I think I know why that is now. Because when you go into that, I'm usually like looking. Okay, what have we got coming up next week? And like maybe searching out a few more fun facts and whatever. And then I kind of come back to, and I'm like. Right, well, where are we? <laughs> yeah. I've done it, Anna. You've said to me, and we're doing the review, and you'll be talking about something, and then I'll say exactly the same thing, and you go, I've just said that. And I'm like, uh, uh. It's, not, it's not as good as um, one of the emails we got on the reality cast. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Chris, listen to what Dave's saying. Because <laughs> yeah, you just do a fake laugh after he said it. I still say there's something wrong with the edit in there because, you know, I think when I listened back funny. to the episode, it went for about three seconds and then you just burst out <laughs> laughing. <laughs> that or I must have edited it and cut the wrong thing out. There might have been something you said and I just started burst out laughing like, yeah, you're just being ignorant, Chris. But anyway, yes, anyway, you can get us, guys, at Comics in Motion P on Twitter or social media. Uh, if you want to email us, comicsinmotionpodcast at gmail.com. And I'd like like we've just said about Tony in the comic spotlight, get over there, guys, because he's going to be covering the Lone Ranger with Mike from the uh, Genuine Chit Chat and Star Wars Comics in Canon on this feed. Get over there. We've got some great shows now. Um, we've got literally one every day of the week. So there's something. If you're not into the TV and movie stuff, there's plenty of comic book stuff you can uh, get into. Some really, really good shows with the guys. Awesome. And Chris, we are going to start off as well. We've got One Division coming up. In fact, by the time this releases, yeah, it'll have already dropped. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, actually, no, this this will be releasing on the 14th, and then One Division first two episodes, it's, it's rumored to be, are going to drop on Disney Plus on the 15th. So, 15th, yeah. We're going to, a little bit like we did with The Mandalorian, we'll put together, you know, we'll have rolling hosts. So, different people from the Comics in Motion family will come on. It'll be a couple of people at a time. And we'll cover the different episodes and just kind of fan out on it. Because we, we've been starved a little bit of new content, you know, over the last year, haven't we? While we've all got used yeah. to the, the new way, the new world order, the new way of things, you know, doing these things in lockdown. But we're going to have so much new content coming out this year. I can't wait. No, it's going to be really good. And this, this I'm on the fence about this one division day because I don't know what to expect, but I've got a feeling it's going to hit it out of the park and it'd be great just chatting with the guys about different things. Cause the dynamic of having different people on talking across podcasts is brilliant. Well, something that Max told me, apparently there's going to be more special effects in one division than there were in Avengers end game. So word. they are pushing, uh, they have thrown a lot of budget this way. 
And I think it's all part of that strategy of trying to get people onto their platform. And so I I don't know if we'll have seen a, a series like this. So I, I can... The trailers are just a bit weird, aren't they? You know, you've got all the old TV shows and you're not quite sure what's what's going on. Why is Vision alive even? You know, so I, I can't wait. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. It's going to be great, Dave. So, Mr. Horrocks, another great episode and I'll see you next week when we talk. We're going to talk about Steve Trevor. Oh, no, Steve Rogers, aren't we, Dave? So. <laughs> see you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Hi-ho, silver, away! Go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jerome! Kneel before Zod! Why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. And he's good to eat.